welcome to Offside Sports on the Air. On today's show, we preview key offseason moves for the Twins and Cardinals, introduce a new segment, and wrap the show up with a discussion on social media and broadcasting. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us on Offside Sports on the Air. I'm your host, Noah Brown, and today we've got a pretty special show lined up for you. We are live at the time of recording, which I guess would just be previously recorded for you guys, in Mima's basement. We're currently in St. Louis. We, this is the second time ever that we have everybody in the same room who's recording the episode. Today I'm joined by the brothers Ponchi, Nick and Alex, TJ Bierenbaum, and later on, a new guest, someone who's never been on the show before. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing great. Shout out to Mima for making this all possible. I feel like we all owe it to her. It's very cozy. I'm having a great time. We got Thank you for light. the invite. Yeah, this is nice. Truly the greatest location I think we've ever recorded in. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, and I've never really been on a sports podcast, much less watched much sports at all. So I'm very honored to just be here. Thanks, oh, dear Mima. God, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> Noah, who is this man who let him in the <laughs> He is our special guest. That is Sam Shea. Never been on an episode before. So we'll have a new segment with Sam coming up for you here after our commercial break. Uh, but before we get to that, got a good show lined up for you. We're going to start off with baseball. The season's been over for a couple of weeks now, but we're just now getting into kind of the, the ramping up point of the offseason season. All players who are eligible have been given qualifying offers. Um, they're, they're given 10 days to accept or decline. Most of the time they decline those because they're one-year contracts. A lot of times people are looking for uh, some higher ones. Both our teams, the Cardinals and the Twins, uh, are looking to make some, some pretty big moves here, or at least are in decent position to do so. So, TJ, we'll start with you as our, our Twins guy uh, living up, uh, I guess, in Chicago, but you're, you're our AL guy. What are one or two key areas that the Twins have to improve uh, or have to upgrade at to improve going into next season? I mean, you win 101 games. You're in pretty decent shape. What are some areas Twins need to get better at to hopefully get over this this Yankees uh, 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 barrier blockade, whatever you want to call it, and try and get back to the World Series? The one and probably the only area the Twins absolutely need to upgrade in is in starting pitching. You know, they've got the the hashtag Bomba squad that hit, you know, the lead record home runs this year. They've got great defense in their outfielders, their infield. Um, bullpen is greatly improved uh, from past seasons. The only thing that's really not performing as well as a World Series team should be is the starting pitching. And, you know, we had Jose Barrios and Kyle Gibson and Jake Odorizzi, and all of them probably – at least Odorizzi and Gibson it performed at a higher quality than anyone was really expecting them to this season. Um, but you can't rely on that every year. The Twins absolutely need to go out and get a solid ace because they don't have one. You know, you've got Barrios that was in the All-Star game, and Barrios is good. But you've got some guys going into the market right now that if they don't accept the qualifying offer, which, again, they probably won't, um, you can have a game-changing pitcher as your number one with your number two guy being Barrios, keep around Gibson, maybe even Odorizzi, you'd have a solid four pitchers there. So the thing the Twins need to do is get a solid ace and then worry about the rest from there. 
And this seems like the season to go out and do that. I mean, some of the top free agents this year, uh, MLB.com keeps a, a, a ranking of the top free agents as they see them. Number one, Garrett Cole. <laughs> Obviously, kind of the, the cream of the crop, the star free agent this year. Um, but beyond that, you've got guys like Steven Strasburg, like Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner, uh, Dallas Keuchel's back on the market. So a lot of great pitching options. I admittedly haven't watched a lot of the Twins, uh, I guess now it's last season. In your perspective, TJ, are, are the Twins need, in more need of a right-hander, left-hander, more of a power fastball guy, more of a, a, a breaking ball, kind of crafty veteran, as they would call it, someone like Dallas Keuchel, you know, left-handed um, uh, curveballer. Who would be the best fit, and who would you like to see the Twins go out and get? I would love to see them go out and get Garrett Cole, but I think all 32 teams – or 30 teams, excuse me, uh, currently in the MLB would love to have Garrett Cole. So I don't know that that opinion is all that radical. Um, I think the Twins, more than anything, need a a dominating and controlling pitcher. Um, they've got guys with good stuff. Brios's curveball is wicked. You know, Gibby's uh, slider away is is one of the best in the league, in my opinion. But they don't have a guy who can go out there and just take control of a game for six to seven innings and start a series off. Um, so I I would love to see anyone on the free market agency currently. Um, Mad Bomb always intrigues me as a player. Um, I think he could, he could do well with the Twins. Um, I would also... Be interested in Keuchel. Um, we'll see what happens, though. <laughs> I'm I, the thing with the Twins that always gets me, when it, especially when it comes to starting pitching, is they are notoriously stingy. Um, the Twins organization, in and of itself, in not even in in terms of the amount of money spent, but in percentages of their money that they spend. Um, the Twins, you know, being on the lower side of the market size, even the percentage of their available money that they spend is lower than teams with a higher market. So they're spending like exponentially less money on players. Um, if the Poe lads are serious about bringing a world series to Minnesota, I think they need to change that this year and they need to go out and they need to spend money on big names. Well, and that was the biggest thing that we saw in the series against the Yankees. I mean, Bomba squad came out, not nearly probably as much as you had hoped because uh, the, they get swept by the Yankees, so their offense couldn't keep up. But the Yankees were out hitting the Twins, which a lot of people were not expecting to happen. And so the Twins need to get a good to great ace pitcher for their staff. I mean, that is, as you said, the the one key thing that they are missing on this team. Bullpen pretty good. Bomba squads coming back. They're so close. So, so close. And so someone like Garrett Cole... I think would be the perfect fit for the Twins. I don't know if that's going to happen. It probably won't. But, I mean, crazier things have happened. But it would just be fantastic to see the Twins kind of break their mold of frugal spending and go out and get that one guy. Because Garrett Cole, he's pretty, he's kind of a safe bet. I mean, he's only 29, right-handed pitcher, is has been phenomenal over the last couple of years, been pretty durable as well, so... I mean, what, you give him a five-, six-year contract, get him up to 34, 35 years old, that's still some of the prime time for pitchers to be pitching. 
Yeah, I I would love to see Garrett Cole come in. Um, as again, I said everyone would, but I think I think it just comes down to how much money the Twins are willing to spend and how much the bigger market teams are also willing because. The Yankees are the other team that are seriously in the running for Garrett Cole. There have been talks. CC Sabathia came out and said that he's been talking to Garrett Cole for the last year about coming and playing on the East Coast. Um, I'm sure the Dodgers would love to have him. Um, teams that have bigger markets and have been known to spend the money are what concern me in this free agent race, especially for the ace pitchers, because all the teams that were on the brink this year are looking for that ace. You've got every team out there that has all the hitting, they've got all the pieces in place, and everyone needs Garrett Cole. <laughs> yeah, and that's so. honestly that's the the hardest part and I think for, you know, teams that have a slightly smaller budget, it's trying to find that not ideal pie in the sky fit, but you try and find someone that you think could mesh well and has potential. Uh, it's hard because you're taking a lot more risks. Now, I like Zach Wheeler. I like Madison Baumgartner. They're both solid guys, but they're not your first go-tos. However, uh, the guy that I've been eyeing and I think might be a budget pick that the Twins probably could get uh, is Hunjin Ryu coming off from uh, he Los was, Angeles. Yeah, yeah, Los Angeles. Um, so he has been plagued with injuries most of his career, uh, but his 2019 stats uh, for when he did play are kind of ridiculous. Uh, ERA is, I have it pulled up here, 2.32 over 19 games. Again, it's not a great sample size, and you always run a risk uh, with, he's like 33, he's um, you know, had a history of injury, but he's a left-handed pitcher. He can, he's shown that he can, when he's in, put in that position, shut down these well-established teams and take things into long innings. And so that's where I think you're running a risk, but I think you might have to win. Even teams like uh, the Angels and the Padres are just chomping at the bit to take all these high-value players that everyone's fighting for this year. Sure. And there's, well, there's lots to go around. Obviously, we have two potential Cy Young candidates in, in Cole and Strasburg, and probably Strasburg. I'm uh, not sure if he's – I'm sure the Nationals are going to do as much as possible to try and keep on their, their lead guys. Um, but if there were a year for Minnesota to throw their monies around, I do think this would be it. Currently, they sit at uh, about 50 – about $50 million shy of what their peak payroll has been for 2020. They're currently committed to just over $80 million. So they have they have wiggle room. Um, and if they even if it doesn't wind up being those super ace potential Cy Young candidates, it could be one or even two of these other guys. I really like Baumgartner for this spot. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think if they can add – if two one is great, two would be outstanding. <laughs> and there was some talk in last offseason of the Twins adding Keuchel for this season and just imagine what they could have done if they had him on this year's team. So I think as, as Nick mentioned, Keiko would be a good fit. Uh, Ryu, as Alex mentioned, would be a good fit as well. I mean, once you get down to that tier, uh, I mean, anyone below uh, your, your top two guys uh, in Garrett Cole and, and Strasburg, uh, you're going to have some question marks by them, whether it be age, whether it be durability, whether it be performance issues in the past, I mean, beyond that, but free agency is a risk. And so, Really, with the Twins, it's going to be a calculated risk, though, because as, as, as Nick mentioned, their payroll is pretty low. So you can afford to take on – I mean, you don't want to bog yourself down with bad contracts. I mean, we've seen some some teams deal with really bad repercussions from that. But this would be the time to go out and splurge. 
I think the injury problem is going to be the one that Twins take probably the hardest look at with the fact that two of their arguably best players have been plagued with injuries already with uh, Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. So uh, add to that, you know, you've got William Zastadio who is out for part of the year with injuries. And um, I don't know the Twins would want to go out and try to find an ace for what's supposed to be, in their mind, the World Series year that has not shown themselves to be durable. Um, so I think in in regards to finding the ace, the Twins are going to be looking at who can take control of a game, who is affordable, and who will play every game, who will start every time, every fifth game of the season. They want as many good innings as possible as out of these people. Yeah, that's not a guarantee from Ryu by any stretch. <laughs> no. I, I keep going back to Keichel. Keichel seems like a, a perfect fit for Minnesota, kind of that second-tier pitching free agent who not going to con- command nearly as much money as Cole or Strasburg, but it's still a good fit, a durable pitcher, showed he has a lot left in the tank uh, and can really kind of balance out this Twins roster. Plus, he's a lefty, and that's always a benefit. Right. And we say second tier, but that's second tier compared to... Well, yeah, I mean, any, anything below Cole and Strasburg is going to be, you know, saying that second tier, I mean, that, that's a whole range of... It's, of like, it's like in video games, you've got the, the S++ tier okay. and then actual fair and balanced. Or Everyone knows a Maserati is a second tier car. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So now moving over from the AL to the NL, the Cardinals are facing a similar situation to the Twins where it seems like they're just one or two pieces away from getting back in. I mean, they made it to the NLCS. Unlike the Twins, in this case, what they need is hitting. I mean, their pitching seems pretty locked up. They've got a spot open for that number five rotation, assuming Waka uh, is not signed back, which it seems like that's not going to happen. But offense was miserable we've talked about it several times but particularly in the nlcs but really it was a hit or miss offense no pun intended um throughout the season and particularly on their postseason run i mean this cardinals team you see them put up 10 runs in the first inning on the braves in game five and then they get no hit through seven innings twice in the first two games of the nlcs um feels bad yeah, it feels really, really bad. That was hard to watch, particularly because uh, Christian and I went to game two of the NLCS, and we got to see Adam Wainwright pitch. And Waino looked like old Waino from, like, 2011, 2012, 2013. I mean, he went into the eighth inning. He looked, he was dominant and unfortunately gave up a two-run double in the eighth, and that was more than what the Cardinals could come back from. we got to keep him this year because this, this city, we, we all owe him more, and he needs a better send-off than yeah, that. It, it, it's playing up almost perfectly, and I, I'm a little wary about it, but at the end of this year, Molina said he plans to retire. Wainwright will most likely go out with Molina. If the Cardinals can get back to the World Series for those two's final season, that would be storybook ending. That would be perfect. It would be, and honestly, getting a World Series win would leave us with more of the budget to recuperate after having our iconic yeah. you know city beloved stars leave us have that send off so that really is necessary it's tough um we're potentially losing uh, we're probably losing marcelo zuna right. um he had some clunky fielding uh <laughs> in the last series which you know i i i'm not sure where he's gonna go but he did have power back in the main series and especially in our big run towards the postseason, um, we'll probably have to find a replacement for him. I'm thinking, 
we, we could do with some fair relief or closing, but I think bats is where we need to focus. Um, and, you know, the Nick Brown, your brother mentioned in past years, uh, we really could try and like Madison Baumgartner. How amazing would that be? Uh, but like Josh Donaldson, I think would be a fair, like more budget friendly to the current Cardinals roster. We still have to pay um, our big stars before they leave us. Right. Um, I think that's a suitable substitution. But I, I don't know who, who's your big bat prediction that would really fill out this. Maybe someone in the outfield. You guys got anything? Honestly, right now, uh, from what it sounds like, the Cardinals aren't really going to be making any big moves this offseason. This management uh, or this front office has been very fiscally responsible, to put it in a, in a positive way, where they, they don't like to bog themselves down with bad contracts, and particularly having two bad contracts in the roster now in Matt Carpenter and Dexter Fowler. I mean, that's, what, almost $40 million right there uh, per year. Uh, or not per year, but uh, for the next two seasons. Well, I feel like that's part of the Cardinals' longstanding success is that by not taking these big risks, there is some upside to that where, you know, we haven't been a contender, but we've been able to compete with these other championship-level teams consistently through the regular season, and that keeps our huge fan base continued coming to games, keeps them funded. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it's not as exciting because – we don't, you know, we don't necessarily make it to the championship series and haven't in a few years uh, with consistency. I think that keeps you safe from some of the volatility, some of the 60 and under win seasons <laughs> that you see from these other teams. Um, and that there's no loss of love from the Cardinals fan base that we still keep coming out, even when we have these middling high 80s low 90s win years and i think there is some safety and some wisdom to that sure well do you remember the 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 big the big uh move that i i recall from our youth uh matt holiday when we brought him in that was a a big talk that was a very big money Mm -hmm. deal that was a very scary time for a lot of people in st louis they thought (laughs) oh no what have we just committed this to a person who came from colorado you know smaller stadium balls fall fly farther there have we just made a huge mistake um those can like i i i agree i think we need a big name at third base like colin like a big name at third base would be wonderful um but i I don't foresee it happening if we're talking budget wise 2019 was the highest the cardinals have ever spent on in 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 one year on a on a roster and i don't know how much I, i i like that with if we have ozuna in the outfield is he leaving he we we sent our extension offer but we gave him uh, a qualifying offer. He is most likely going to turn that down. He expressed interest in staying in St. Louis. I don't know if that was just, you know, media for during in season, not to – who knows what players are thinking during that time. Um, but if that's true, I mean, it sounds like he wants to, to stay here. There are reports that uh, the Cardinals were trying to work a multi-year deal with him. Uh, but that kind of plays into short-term need versus long-term uh, development because we have some pretty good outfield prospects. Mm-hmm. I mean, and guys like uh, uh, Tyler O'Neill, like Dylan Carlson. Um, right now, I think we have five or six major league-ready outfielders on our roster, and you just you, you can't field that. Um, uh, so, bringing back Ozuna would be, I think, for the short term, you'd kind of almost have to because who knows if Dylan Carlson is ready to go but in the end would you want to sign Ozuna to a three four five year contract because I mean he's been so hit or miss the last couple of seasons particularly you know 2018 it was 
not a great year for me. He was battling injury all, the whole time. 2019 showed flashes of what he could be, but his defense wasn't really a plus. When he was on, he was on. I mean, his bat is one of the best in the league when he's on, but that happens so rarely. Honestly, you know what I'd love to see is for Ozuna to go to Kansas City. Um, it'd just be for for hit or miss. They're they're getting Mike Matheny, which we, <laughs> we St. Louis understands is a very hit and miss strategy. Um, they're losing Lorenzo Cain, who has was 300 batting average for the year, 26 stolen bases, 15 home runs. If they get Marcel Ozuna, you get you get your big bat and. You know what? Let's see if the two volatilities <laughs> from St. Louis can click. And you're still technically in Missouri, so I, I just think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, and if we wanted to go for third base, kind of shifting gear, this would be the year to do it with you know a certain someone named Anthony Rendon as uh, a free agent. Um, but really, it seems like the Cardinals have what they need on their roster to continue what they did this year. I mean, the direction that they've taken under Mike Schilt versus Mike Matheny, um, just some of the fundamental stuff. Mike Schilt has placed a lot of emphasis on defense, on good base running, and I think that translated into a division one. I think there's a direct correlation between having Mike Schilt for a full year and getting back to the playoffs. Love Mike Matheny as a person, love him as a player. Absolutely could not stand him as a manager. He was infuriating to watch. There was a lot of excitement when he it was announced that he was going to be our guy, and then it was. And I think, you know, particularly getting back to the World Series in in 2013 and the NLCS in 2012 and 2014, made a lot of people think, "Oh my gosh, this is the guy. This is Tony Larusa 2.0." But as the years went on, 2015, 2016, 2017, a lot of his tendencies and a lot of what people thought might be his strengths. Uh, from being a player coming in as manager would be actually turned out to be some of his weaknesses. And he was just not a good fit. I love, 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 love Mike Schilt. And I think we're moving in a good direction. But there's only so much that good coaching can do for you. And so the Cardinals really need a good bat in left field or at third base. I would love to bring Ozuna back and then see if we can do something at third base. Uh, It sounds like they're going to try and give Matt Carpenter another shot here. I love the guy, but... I don't know. How how short is his leash? I don't know. He had there was the potential for that hometown hero status mm-hmm. and hometown hero just want to mention shout out to David Freeze just retired. Oh, sure. uh, MVP of the 2011 World Series, I think. That man will never buy another drink in St. Louis for himself. <laughs> that, that's a moment that I think a lot of St. Louis fans will never forget. And I think it's that once every decade big moment for the Cardinals that are going to keep us wanting to invest in these these icons that we see them as. Uh, I'd love to see Matt Carpenter come back and do something great. I don't know how confident I am in that fact, but blind optimism is something that I love to invest in as a St. Louis sports fan. And I think that's what people want so badly is for Matt Carpenter to be David (laughs) Freeze again and to get back to the MVP run he had last season where, you know, from June through August, he was one of the best, if not the best hitter in baseball, the best leadoff man in baseball. And why couldn't we have that again? So if, if we get that Matt Carpenter, we could make up for his minus defense for that kind of bat. And he has that potential. We, I'd love to see him get back Let there. Let work his magic. Yeah, <laughs> it's time. Honestly, they need to work some magic on everybody. That offense this whole year was, was atrocious. I mean, everyone from Ozuna to Bader to Carpenter to Goldschmidt, I, everybody seemed like they had a down year. So maybe it's just a fluke. Maybe 
What? We'll just have all the same pieces, and we'll come back again. It's, it's weird when Edmund is one of your biggest hitters in the final championship <laughs> series. That's a that's a weird moment where you pause and look at what yeah, we're yeah. doing wrong. Well, I think that's exactly what's going to happen, making it all the way to the championship series and sort of fumbling in the red zone <laughs> just to transition sports. Um, yeah, I, I think if, if it is going to be the last big shot for – Names like like Molina and Wainwright. Yeah, yeah. We keep gotta keep Wainwright. If we if we <laughs> if we can, you know, if it is like a last push year, I feel like like you said, we're not losing Wainwright. We're not losing any <laughs> big like we're not losing any of the key components to what made us a, uh, a postseason team this past year. We just gotta capitalize. We need that one last piece to push us <laughs> over the hump. The thing with the Cardinals, I think that puts them in a more difficult place than a lot of teams this free agency is that they have to choose right now whether or not they want to win a World Series next year or put a franchise out to win another one in the next five. Because at the end of next year, they lose two of their biggest names. And then starts the restructure. So they have a lot of people in the farm system right now. And a lot of the hitters on the free agent market right now, we talk a lot about the pitchers and the free agents. Free agency for pitchers is great right now. Free agency for hitters, there's a lot of good hitters, but they are all old. So the Cardinals need to decide this offseason whether or not they want to get an old left fielder and an old third baseman to beef up their hitting and sign them to a small contract, high paying, pay them now, win next year and rebuild, or if they want to build developmental guys to try to win more down the road. And it's it's a tough, well, tough situation. And I think the Cardinals are in a good position where they don't have to go into full-on rebuild. Because when you have Wainwright leaving, I mean, you're looking at him being your four or five starter right now. I mean, you've got a solid rotation uh, anchor in Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, and Miles Michaelis. That's a, that's a solid top three. On ter- in terms of, of catcher, you've got uh, Andrew Kisner. Sure, he's not. He's no Molina uh, defensively yet, but he's he's a solid fill-in, and will hopefully grow into <laughs> even if he's half of what Molina was during his prime. I don't think I, we can ask for anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, we can put Molina in that S plus busted video, <laughs> at video least game team. local hero level. That's where Molina stands. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I think the Cardinals are in a good position where if they if they play it right this offseason, get one. Big name, like kind of like what they did last offseason in getting Paul Goldschmidt. Yep. Make that one big move. The Get yourself in position for a World Series this year. Then once Molina and Wainwright go off into the sunset, hopefully with World Series number twelve uh, for the for the Cardinals, mm-hmm. um, then you still need to figure out some some big questions. But you don't necessarily have to, you know tear the whole thing down and start from scratch again. Well, we do have to remember that we got to the championship series off of the missteps of the Brewers and the Cubs this year. We were counting on them to lose games just to get to where we were. And that we're, we're in a tough champion. We're in a tough division, clearly not as strong as anything we saw um, in the American league coming up for the, for the world series, but we are not in the easiest division to win. I also think that the unfortunate thing for the Cardinals is the free agency market this year. The Twins are fortunate for the agency market. Cardinals are unfortunate because in the two most needed positions in left field and third base, uh, outside of Anthony Rendon and Marcelo Zuna, there are no players with a positive war who are under the age of 30. And Anthony Rendon is 30. 
So it's it's a tough one out there because you're signing guys who you do not know how many how much time they have left in their contracts or in their playing. So before we move on here, uh, wrap up last question. Nick and Alex in particular, but TJ as well. Are you comfortable with the Cardinals going into next season not making any moves? Assuming that let, – let's assume that Ozuna stays. Keeping this exact same roster going into next season. Assuming Ozuna stays, I think at some point we need to make make a trade in the – in, we we still need that big bat. Uh, we like I said, we were cutting it kind of close, getting to where we were this year, um, and everyone just being a year older than they were. Status quo. I'm not th- thrilled with the prospect. I, I think we need to see something happen. Agreed. I, I don't foresee this exact team as it sits today being able to push beyond what we saw only like what less than a month ago. It's we we have we have a well rounded well established team. It's just that the competition also has supreme talent in other areas that just happen to matter more in a five game and a seven game series. Absolutely, I think for St. Louis especially, you they need to make a move. Uh, as you mentioned, the division that they play in that when you're on the brink, it's sometimes okay. Like if you know you're going to coast through the regular season, make it to the postseason. Think about, you know, resting your guys, making them healthy for the postseason and focusing on that. But when you're in a division where you have to count on the teams ahead of you losing games at the pivotal moment of the season, you need to make a change. You need to add something that will put you ahead of them because it's not even a sure shot that the Cardinals aren't third in the division next year. So there needs to be a big move for them. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to introduce a new segment before having a fun discussion on social media and sports broadcasting. You're listening to Offside Sports on the air. Today's episode of Offside Sports on the air is brought to you by Crumbs Bakery. Crumbs is an independently run St. Louis bakery that specializes in custom-ordered desserts made with taste and design in mind. They have cookie bars, lemon breads, cream tarts, cupcakes, donuts, and my new favorite, macarons, all tailor-made to fit your culinary needs. If you love dessert and love to share it with your friends, Crumbs is the perfect holiday gift, office treat, or game day snack for you. They also have vegan and dairy-free treats available, and I can say from experience those can be really hard to find, and they taste really great. You can find them on Instagram at crumbs.stl and on Facebook at facebook.com slash crumbsstl. And from there, you can message their friendly and professional staff about buying yourself some macarons. Again, that's C-R-U-M-B-S dot S-T-L on Instagram, facebook.com slash crumbsstl, or you can reach out directly to crumbs.stl at gmail.com. Seriously, if you've never had a macaron, you owe it to yourself to try one right now. everyone, and thanks for joining us back here on Offside Sports on the Air. I'm Noah Brown, and this week I'm joined by Nick Ponji, Alex Ponji, TJ Bierenbaum, and a new guest for a new segment, Mr. Sam Shea. Sam, thanks so much for joining us for your first episode of Offside Sports. Absolutely, Mr. Noah. I'm happy to be here to provide really nothing of value. So, yeah, excited. So, Sam is a former roommate of TJ and mine. We all lived together sophomore year, best buds throughout college. Uh, Sam knows all almost next to nothing 
about sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we decided we'd transform our current Tell Me Something I Don't Know segment uh, in, into a, a fun little game. So, Sam, we've gone through and we have uh, chosen some different headlines from this week in the sports world. We're going to read them to you. You have some answers prepared for us. That's right. Um, That's right. We need you to tell us what headline that sport pertains to and what the context is. So we'll have each person read. Uh, we've got, what, five or six? Yeah. Somewhere around there, that many headlines. We'll have each person read Sam a headline. Sam wants to guess, and then that person will provide some context and let him know just how wrong he was. Perfect. <laughs> I am ready for that. So to kick off this segment, well, I've got a, a fairly simple, straightforward sports headline for okay. you. Okay. All right. Is Colton Wong a sell-high candidate? This one is from Bleacher Report. Well, no, I'm glad you got this as your first one because I know exactly what's going on here. Uh, So when the season comes to an end, as everyone knows, the teams with players who have just generally disgruntled their GMs decide which players could be sold. This article focuses on the Orioles debate to sell player Colton Wong, who is wanted by, as everybody knows by this point, the Cubs. In which sport is it from? Oh, baseball, of course. (laughs) Okay, so you were right on baseball. See? No, pretty much everything. (laughs) But Colton Wong is a current second baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals (laughs) and had arguably his best season in the major leagues. Oh. Um, Both he he won a gold glove and had a batting average of 285, had near career highs in home runs and doubles. So he is a valuable player right now for the Cardinals. And so uh, there there are some rumors going around speculating whether or not the Cardinals should sell high on him kind of like a stock, oh. and trade him while he has value before he or plummets back. Or him. Right. Uh, no, this, uh, the article is like, they should sell high, or oh. trade him while he has his most value before he inevitably crashes back down to more of his career averages. I see. Okay. That makes actually a lot more sense. As, as <laughs> Not nearly as interesting. interesting. I I hope you actually go back and write some of these articles that you that you give us synopses <laughs> for. The onion-related thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, Orioles, Cardinals, those are both birds. Yeah. yeah that's, I, the Orioles used to be in St. Louis. They were the St. Louis Browns. So there you it's, go. It's a lot closer than you think. That's right. And also, I don't know if we're going to provide our opinions on the actual articles uh, for every single one, but Cardinals should not trade Colton Long. That's, that's, <laughs> that's dumb. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, who's next? I think that's me. All right. Let's Nick take a look. Okay. <clears throat> Christian Yelich's run game and other lessons from Bill James' handbook. Yeah, no, this is perfect. So I know the last one was a little rough. I didn't quite get it. But this one, I just, I have it down pat. So Hall of Famer running back turned coach Bill James' material is always relevant to up-and-coming our running backs like Christian Yelich, who has, to date, a 1,300-yard season. Um, his participation with the Seattle Seahawks has contributed to their 6-3 season. Many say he's really carrying that team. And, I mean, I would agree. That's really what he's doing. And which sport is it? Football. Baseball again. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, So I didn't know about this. So uh, apologies if this is a bit too obscure. But the Bill James Handbook is, in fact, an actual release document uh, put out annually. Um yeah, there's a new edition. It's related to 
It comes out from Baseball Info Solutions, oh. and the running is in re- reference to base running and like how like turning hits into one one base or two base situation. It's it's. I'm sorry, I don't know more about this. And I feel bad. That I've, <laughs> context of I've waiting for you to laugh at me, and you don't really know what it is. Hey, I, I, that's fine. That's fine. This is a bit of a trick question because absolutely, run game from a Bill James handbook sounds like a football thing. <laughs> and this is an ESPN article, no less. So I apologize. Oh no, that was that was perfect for the exact purpose that we have for this anyway. I love the story that you. <laughs> I know. I tried to tried to fabricate these as well. As well as I could with, and I did absolutely no research. I, I'm trying to get it as much from my, my, my multitudes of knowledge in this this good old noggin of mine. Thank you for that. You're and, welcome. And for You're really more welcome. context for you. Uh, Christian Yelich is an all-star outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> I, I thought if anything, he was like maybe he's a basketball player, but I don't know. Nope. nope. All right, here's your next headline. This one also comes from Bleacher Report. Jalen on Juju, colon, he's not A-B. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Finally, like, a, a safe okay. spot. All right, what, what sport is this? Yeah, so this is – let me reference. Oh, basketball. Okay, so Jalen on Juju. He's not A-B. Jalen, I know you guys don't really need to know his last name, has made his opinion on his teammate, who he affectionately refers to as Juju, known for the Chicago Bulls. You know, in a press conference after his team took on his, their rival, the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, he says he's no AB, uh, referencing the previous Bulls legend player, but he will do just fine. Glad to have him. So... Yeah, so this is football. <laughs> uh, and Jalen, in this context, is Jalen Ramsey, a uh, all-star cornerback who started the season with the Jacksonville Jaguars but was traded to the Los Angeles Rams, commenting Ooh. on Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. who, Which is a cool name. Just putting that out there. It's so cool. He used to be the second-string wide receiver behind Antonio Brown. Oh. A.B. I saw Antonio Brown on Dancing with the Stars. Okay, <laughs> continue on. <laughs> and so when Antonio Brown was released, Juju Smith-Schuster became the number one receiver. Gotcha. And it's kind of the de facto replacement for Antonio Brown. So Jalen Ramsey okay. – uh, his quote, no disrespect to him, he's not Antonio Brown, saying he doesn't have the same level of play. He's not the same caliber player. Oh, okay. However, Ramsey says, quote, he likes Smith-Schuster's style of play. He plays very physical. He plays strong, aggressive through the catch. Okay, so I, I kind of got, like, it, the the tone of it kind of down. That's, that's reassuring. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> substance, not right. Yeah. Sport, not right. But tone, <laughs> we can give you, like, a half point for that. I, I don't know if we're keeping score on this or not, but. Half I, point I to you, sir. Hit the backboard, the very edge of the backboard of us shooting, <laughs> shooting a basket in basketball. That's the sport that shooting a basket is from. Thank you very much. You were at least just, in the just right for theory. your um, for your future knowledge when you're heading out into the zeitgeist. Oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> um, Antonio Brown is not a person off the field that you would want to be compared to. Um, I'll, I won't get into more details than that, but he is... You can listen to one of our previous episodes for that. <laughs> not a great guy, in my opinion. No. Oh, well, he made a, a great dancer. <laughs> 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 
All right, Alex, I think you're up. Noah, this is a good segment. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to bring this back. I'd be happy to do it. I would be happy to, and in, in all genuineness, embarrass myself <laughs> so that I could actually learn about these wonderful sports of which I talk. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the next headline comes from the much-acclaimed rotoballer.com, <laughs> a... Uh, a, me- a sports media titan alongside ESPN and right. Sports Illustrated. <clears throat> Nick Chubb could lose touches to Kareem Hunt. Right. All right, what sport is this from? I know I've had it rough with these past couple, but this is from football because it's from my boys, the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, I really hope. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> As, as you know, this is okay. Offensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb. Uh, I don't think I'm doing very well so far. Uh, is is kind of getting gained on by Kareem Hunt. Kareem, his teammate, um, getting more contact on the other teams uh, than Nick Chubb is. Browns, 34th in the 36 teams in the NFL. <laughs> are not not really doing so great. You know, Kareem, who is obviously, you know, you know, plays for the Browns as well. Uh, He's leading the touch count 46 (laughs) to 45. So that's... (laughs) Guys, I'm doing a serious report. That's where he is. That's kind of the area that he inhabits right now. So Nick Chubb's got to up his game if he wants to get those touch guys. (laughs) Actually, and then so far, you got football right, and beyond that, is Kareem on the Browns? Yeah, so you got football right, you got Browns right, and after that, it just went downhill (laughs) so quickly. That is, if we're doing points, that's at least a half a point. That's a. I'm going to count. That's a win in your. I I do vote that we start counting stats of. How many times an offensive lineman touches a player of the other team? I need this as a stat in my life. Uh, Nick Chubb's a pretty touchy guy. (laughs) How many times has he touched another man on the football field? It can't be like individual touches. I was thinking like one, like if he like buffs a guy, you know, that's that's what happens. How many players has he run into while playing the sport of football? Uh, for context, uh, Nick Chubb is a running back. Kareem oh. Hunt is returning from suspension. And oh. so, like, sort of a sibling, sibling rivalry situation is what is what they're worried about. And All also, right. uh, on that, there are not 36 teams in the NFL. There are 32. And the Browns oh are, yeah. let's see, see, that'd be, what was that? They're 25th out of 32. Oh, right now, we're doing better than I thought I was. That's I mean, right. they're they're two and six. That's right. So, uh, they're still definitely bottom quarter of the league. They gotta up their touch count. <laughs> 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 gotta start touching more people. <laughs> Touchy feely with the Browns. All right, who's up next? I think that'd be me again. <clears throat> From Bleacher Report, classic once right. again. Right. Trevor Booker reflects on quote unprofessional wizards colon just glad i got out alive oh man what sport is this from this is absolutely basketball i i feel i feel that very confidently all right give us Uh, your give us your rundown yeah absolutely so you know as pressures kind of rise in the washington wizards 
Um, you know, drama, much like the drama hitting other underfunded and middle-of-the-road teams kind of are going on, Booker, after being beaten mid-game by fellow team members, leaves bitterly, just not really having it with this team. It works, you know, it's a lot like, I, I think... That whole thing with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, I think those were two involved. Um, not no beating there, uh, but very very hurt feelings. So that's what's going on with the hopefully Washington Wizards. Are we talking about a physical beating here? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It was it was mild as as beatings go, <laughs> but severe enough to say that he was lucky to get out of yeah, that line. That was an exaggeration, you know. Pulling, yeah, so yeah. Sure. yeah, but yeah, exactly. Honestly, not that far off. <laughs> was that it was certainly basketball. Okay. Certainly, uh, the Washington Wizards. Yes, as are from Washington. I, yes. I, I knew yes, the Wizards were a basketball team, but I was like, Washington. <laughs> You nailed it. Uh, Trevor Booker has been uh, part of the NBA for eight years. During those eight years, he has played for five different teams, one of those being the Washington Wizards. On a recent pod, uh, sport, he's, uh, he appeared on a sports podcast, much like yourself currently. Oh, and uh, in that... Pretty much pod, Trevor Booker. <laughs> you're, you're basically one in the same. You won't want to be, though. Uh, his his uh, He was recounting his time with the Wizards, mm-hmm. and he, he went into just some... Weird stuff that went on behind the scenes. Uh, let's see. One player uh, cut up another player's suit. One guy took a dump in another guy's shoe. We'd break into Dang. each other's rooms and beat a player up, tie him up. You got it. Whoa. Whoa. I am what? so unhappy oh that I got this one right wow. <laughs> for the safety so of these men. Gosh. You nailed it. They say basketball's a high drama sport, but I, I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> yeah. What's what? going on here? That was his uh, first NBA team, so he's he's improved. He's stepped up from there. But uh, wow. uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. He's in quality. All right, That's Washington. Right. <laughs> wow. I was hoping you were wrong. I, <laughs> I too, like as I was wrong. speaking the words. <laughs> So glad he got out of there a lot. <laughs> same, hard same. Well, me too, Bleacher Report. Happy I hear you. Yeah. Trevor Booker, if you would like to come on this podcast, <laughs> you're more than welcome. Come on out. All right, so if I'm counting correctly, that's been five. And mm-hmm. how many do we have for this segment ready? So we have two more. Two more? All right. That I've yet to be 100% accurate on. All right. Yeah. I'm really impressed and sad that you were so accurate on that last one (laughs) again me too all right so we've got two more questions left tj we'll give it to you all right sam so this comes to you from originally from the associated press posted on fox sports gotta love that ap Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. l's adds two more president's cup rookies with captain's picks all right so right off the gate i knew this was soccer uh, of course, coming from Minnesota, I know that they've been a dominant force in the world of soccer, and I couldn't be more proud of my Minnesota team. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. <laughs> this time, after their season end, that was a close loss that prevented them from going to the U.S. Open Cup. They were bouncing back with new recruits from British provider, the President's Cup. Uh that's all I had for the L's. Which, of course, stands for loons. That's what I was going for. The U.S. Open uh, is tennis. Yeah, but I realized I was like, or that, golf. that sounded There's close. There's one in both. There's it, not right, a U.S. Cup I, in soccer, I, okay, though. Well, that's, that is news now to me. All right. It's okay. Um, 
Sport is golf. Oh. L's is Ernie L's, a man <laughs> uh, who played golf for quite some time. Hi, Ernie. Um, Ernie L's has selected players for the President's Cup, which is an international tournament. Okay, this makes a lot more sense uh, reading this And title he now. has selected two players who have never been involved in this cup before in Joaquin Neiman of Chile and Sung Jae M of South Korea. Uh, yeah, that you yeah. were so wrong. You yeah, did it as well or better than I would have. <laughs> so big props from me. Thank you. Thank you. Now that was that was a. At least you had a cohesive narrative. Yeah, there you go. I, I fit the pieces together in my own. It was mind. It was a valid argument in the sense that your logic flowed from point A to point B, but it was That's not a sound for. argument in that. You are fundamentally wrong. Fund- absolutely wrong on every account. That, that you know that makes me feel better. I've got something. That. Yeah, that 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 run of being right couldn't have lasted too long. Well, there's, there's thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> there's one more that we've got, and I know for certain. Yeah. So moving on to the last one, Nick Ponchi, take it away. Mm-hmm. Back to ESPN. Mm-hmm. Sources. Cohen. Trashy expected to join Unicorns of Love. All of the rest of them were really ambiguous. This one was clear <laughs> as day. <laughs> so, for fun basketball league that I'm sure you guys have heard of, started by LeBron James, to get teenage girls more engaged in the sport of basketball, is getting an exciting addition. A prior pro basketball player whose name remains undisclosed is going to be rem- is going to be joining the league under the pseudonym of Trashy. He will be wearing an Oscar the Grouch mask from Sesame Street, and though we don't really know his identity yet, we do know that his top salary from when he was playing the game capped out at thirty two million a year. Those numbers are hard to beat. They are. They are. Okay. I'm- I have attempted to just not tell him. I want that to be true <laughs> so badly. Oh God, I wish you were correct on this. <laughs> that, is a, that is a wonderful thing. Right, okay, is, uh... tell me where Trashy came from. I, I'm dying to know. This is actually from the world of esports, specifically Ooh. League of Legends. Oh my gosh, how did Unicorn... I not get on there? That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Unicorns of Love is a Russian team, and... Uh, uh, Trashy comes, uh, he is, his full name, uh, Jonas Trashy Anderson. Uh, he's coming from Splice Games. Trashy in that, in that name. I see where that <laughs> yes. was a clear, yeah. It's, it's on the back of his jersey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a jungler, which means he doesn't play any of the specific lanes. He bounces around in between Ooh. and, uh, sort of a utility player. He's a, he helps make the team thrive. All or right. he will. He's a utility legend. That's right. He's, he's just joining the Unicorns of Love. We can't prove that he's never worn an Oscar the Grouch mask. We can't prove confirm that. nor deny Oscar the Grouch's identity on this man. Honestly, can we make an NBA franchise and just have them all wear Oscar the Grouch well, There's There's like that masked singer series oh going yeah. on on whatever TV station could be like that. It's the masked player, and you have to tell who it is based off of the way they dunk. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? What? (laughs) (laughs) So, I think you fared better than any of us were expecting in that you got one right. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? 
<laughs> one one I mean, and a half and six is an R. Because, like, I mean, he got several of the, the sports rights. That's true. The sports yeah. right as well. I feel um, good about that. Yeah. I feel good about that. I, I'm so sad much. that the the only correct one I had ended up in a player being <laughs> beaten. So I, maybe I shouldn't continue on this session. Uh, what, was, it, <laughs> was it confirmed that he was one of the people who was tied up? We're oh, not sure. <laughs> Remains to be disclosed. Oh. We got to get him on the podcast. We got to get Booker on this podcast. Those Trevor are two very different stories. If he was one of the ones who was tied up and beaten or if he was one of the ones who was tying up and beating. It's all That's horrible. True. It's, it's all, all bad. Yeah. Nothing very magical about the wizards in that story. <laughs> I think we all feel in solidarity with Trashy now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up here for this segment of Tell Me Something I Don't Know. We're going to need a, a new name for this. I think this is coming back I, I really, a few times. I want to call it – I, I was going to say, I want to call it something like Let Me Tell You Something I Don't Know. <laughs> okay, I, I like it. I feel like that's, that's very, very appropriate to so what I was doing. This concludes the inaugural segment of Let Me Tell You Something I Don't Know <laughs> featuring Sam Shea. It was a pleasure to be here. You guys are great. Thanks Sam, so much. thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> and to close out the show we're going to be talking about something a little bit more serious here although we'll definitely be bringing that segment back we're going to be talking sports and social media broadcasting particularly large social media platforms such as facebook twitter amazon prime getting exclusive streaming rights to different sporting events. Uh, if you look, this kind of goes back to middle 2010s, right around 2017 is when Facebook announced that it would be doing weekly broadcasts of MLB games. They also have rights to 32 college football games a year. Uh, Fox Sports has a partnership with Facebook doing um, uh, Big Ten basketball games, I believe it is. Uh, and it just goes on and on. Amazon Prime has Thursday Night Football uh I believe Twitter has – does it have baseball games? Occasionally. Know. They had a couple this year. Cool games? Yeah. Oh, wow. But anyway, so a lot of these major social media platforms are trying to hack it into major league sports and into broadcasting. And I guess the best place to start this conversation is, is this a good idea? Is this positive for social media, for sports – what are you guys' thoughts? I would say not only positive, but kind of necessary. Um, broadcast television is is taking a backseat more and more to online streaming. And you see that with many markets, with, um, with Netflix and uh, Hulu taking over basic cable television. Uh, the NFL... Uh, any NFL games take up for 90% of the most viewed broadcasts any given year uh, in the last few years. And I think because younger audiences aren't, we're all digital natives these days. We spend our time online and other content that caters to that accessible 24 seven. Uh, I can view at any time. I can engage more effectively than a TV screen you're, I don't want to say you're up against the losing battle because of all the tradition in major sports, but there's definitely a need to adapt. And I think it's good to see um, if, if we love these, these sports and these teams and these players, it's good to see these networks taking these steps to engage that audience. Yeah, I agree. As a, not, not to be too ageist or generationally biased or anything, but 
I think if you want to engage a younger audience, you have to go to meet people where they are. Uh, it's Alex, you mentioned to me earlier today, uh, uh, teams trying new ways to do precisely that. Uh, which team was it that's big on TikTok now? Oh, TikTok. Yeah, that's the <laughs> definitely the young 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 men's platform. Um, the uh, Golden State Warriors. They yeah. they are the first uh, major sport, sports team to hit a million TikTok subscribers. And they have generated some pretty positive content. And another point that they've driven with that is that 60% of their followers are women, which is kind of ridiculous for an NBA, NLB. Like, these these franchises are desperately trying to expand their demographic and their fan base out of the 30, 40, 50s men right. demographic. And this is a great first step into meeting those people where they are. Yeah. And speaking of where people are, uh, Twitch is another big name. It's at least in a lot of circles, it's the new version of live television, except you can directly engage with the people who I I, I mentioned esports in our last segment briefly, but that's that's a huge market right now. The League of Legends, for instance, their uh, world worlds uh, 2019, their championship that's going on right now. They recently broke records for most uh, continuously watched event uh, in terms of like Twitch viewership, I think it was they're only in the semifinal stage of their like World Cup basically, but that received um, I want to say it was just on just shy of four million uh, total viewership for a single game. Uh, concurrent viewers being uh, just over uh, two hundred and fifty thousand at like at its like one single moment of people watching one event. So if if traditional sports want to copycat the formula that's happening there i think it makes a lot of sense well and honestly oh and another point with that twitch is now hosting thursday night football as part of its thing i think that's excellent for people like people like myself we i don't have a cable subscription because why add 50 dollars a month when i'm only making a fixed amount and my entertainment budget is much better serviced having just internet when i can access all this content um so it's a way to engage people who otherwise wouldn't check in uh, to these weekly events. But I also think that Twitch and other platforms like this offer an opportunity for other sports that aren't in the mainstream and taking the limelight. Uh, we're not in a monoculture anymore. We are all raised up where, you know, the 90s kids who remember all these different, <laughs> you know, we all remember this one TV mm-hmm. show. There is so much to choose from these days and kids these days don't <laughs> have to rely on what is just the popular thing you can find what you like and so for things that haven't been in the limelight this whole time there's an opportunity to grow national women's hockey league has signed a broadcasting deal with twitch they're just a couple years old but they're an organization that in the first I, I, first couple months i know last month in october they almost reached 1 million views on twitch and they are looking to just keep growing um, and honestly, just in my basic research to them, I, there's stuff that you have to find, you have to love. It's not Carolina, it's um, the, the Colorado, the something whale, hmm. not whales, whale singular <laughs> is the name of the team. Let me pull it up. I have it right here. Uh, but, but finding ways to brand yourself like that and engage headfirst before the NFL and the MLB get their feet dug into the ground. And like Twitch has... They have a chat bot. You can talk to, you can talk to the um, other people who are watching. Other people who are watching, but also the announcers. They'll yep. check and re- react to the feed. And Connecticut Whale, 
That okay. is the name of the team. <laughs> That's wonderful. And that is just, it's, it's so much more in step with this is having those sort of options is what's normal for this new audience. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of catching up that'll be need to be done, but I think it provides for a lot of exciting opportunity to see what these other established groups are going to do. Yeah. And back to your point about money, you know, I've heard a lot of, of people uh, my age, they, they, they don't watch sports. A lot of people our age, you know, we're, we're mid 20 somethings, you know, you know, as you mentioned, grew up, you know, tech savvy, digital savvy. We grew up in the digital age. And so a lot of the the major sports uh, or a lot of the major sports, particularly major league baseball, they're obsessed with making the game faster paced, making it more attention grabbing, getting people to, to watch their game, to get butts in the seats, to get ticket revenue going through. And they're, they're doing all these ridiculous rules. Like okay, we're, we're going to put a pitch clock in. Uh, yeah. And so all of these different controversies and I never once heard someone say, Oh, I don't watch baseball because the pitcher doesn't throw the ball fast enough. He's taken too much time between uh, uh, pitches or no, that, that batter, he was outside the batting box for 33 seconds and I can't sit for much longer than 30 seconds without something going on. Really when, when people say I don't watch the sports because I can't afford to watch this sport, I, I can't afford cable. And so having sports streamed, I can now watch more sports than I ever have before. I've been watching more basketball, watch way more baseball than I ever have. I consider myself a baseball fan before this season, but was able to watch almost every single Cardinals game, either uh, broadcasted uh, or watch the television broadcast or listen to the radio broadcast through my phone, through the MLB TV app. And so we're, we're talking about, you know, social media, kind of the giants there, Facebook, but just the digital age where you can download specific sports leagues apps. And so you don't have to pay the 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks, how much it is for cable. And then you're getting all this extra stuff where, you know, I can pay one subscription for one year to watch my favorite sport and then go on. I think that is, that shows more that the, the, some of the major leagues are so obtuse. They have no idea what the, what younger people want. We don't want the sport to change radically. We don't want baseball to be any different. We love baseball because it's baseball. We just want to be able to watch it without having to pay 60, 70, 80 bucks and get a whole bunch of other channels we don't want. And there are many people I've talked to, like specifically within my own family, where I go to, you know, my dad, who's not a 20 something. He's in his 40s. And I ask him, like, do you enjoy baseball? He's like, yeah, I love baseball. I'm like, why don't you ever watch baseball? I don't Fox Sports. Do you like college basketball? Yeah, I love college basketball. Why don't you watch it? Don't want to be ESPN. Like, it's, it's just a fact that. <clears throat> If you're going to pay extra money every month just to have the sports, a lot of people don't want to do that. They're going to find something else to do with their time because it's 50 bucks a month and they enjoy it, but it's not all that important. So moving it to social, I think is a good thing. Moving it again to free broadcasting and as the NFL has done and have, uh, or other sports leagues are starting to do, majority of it is ad funded rather than uh, subscription funded in a way um i do have one issue with the social streaming um and that is actually the chat slash comment section <laughs> mostly because twitch i think is doing it right where twitch has the chat and when someone is streaming something on twitch whether it's their own game they're playing or the announcers on a certain broadcast they are interacting and they are reading the chat and then interacting and saying things on the broadcast that come up i've seen broadcasts on facebook and twitter they both try to do the same thing where they have the live comment section it's there at the end of a broadcast of baseball on facebook i checked it had around eleven thousand comments 
none of which were of any consequence because it was never acknowledged. I swiped over to see it, and it was just like, hi from Colorado, nothing. <laughs> like, it was just nonsense just piling up on the page. And I think that if you're going to have that chat section um, or any way to engage fans, I think you need to figure out what the fans want to do because I personally, I don't necessarily want to interact with the broadcasters of baseball. Someone playing or live streaming a game might want to interact with them. So I think it comes down to the sports leagues are going to have to customize with the way they do interactivity. I know the MLB experimented with um, having a game playing on one channel and then the secondary channel of that network was doing a live stat cast where they had 32 boxes on the screen of every stat that you could possibly want for the two players, the pitcher and the batter, and it was fantastic. <laughs> I look at that exactly that, and I, I think of virtual reality. I think of augmented reality and how we can integrate those two worlds together to create a more accessible, more uh, more easily reached on-ramp to professional sports because for a new fan to a watching like an NBA game or an NHL game or what have you for the first time, there's a lot of lingo, there's a lot of names and statistics and a lot going on that isn't necessarily comprehensible for a new fan. If you have all those things readily accessible at hand, I mean, picture this, you have a virtual reality headset, you're courtside at an NBA game, you can, you look and see, oh, that guy just made a really cool play. You can like look on your phone, you could tap that guy's like the number on the back of his jersey and then it would pull up all of his statistics, his history with the team, like having that instantly accessible knowledge whenever you as the consumer want it, that's going to be huge for sports and hopefully uh, curving out like some, uh, helping um, uh, an on-ramp to the high, the highway that is this these fast-paced and uh, complex games. And I think that's the key word right there is accessibility. I, that covers everything we've talked about, whether that's accessibility of the players, accessibility of the broadcasters, accessibility of the game itself. Just having more access to it. I mean, we're, we're so used to having all this data available at our fingertips. Um, and so just having, as Nick was just mentioning, you know, a virtual reality experience to walk you through a game. I mean, that would be cool. Have one of those 360 cameras on the sideline and you can watch a game like from the, the sidelines. Or even just being able to watch the game on your couch at home and not have to say, oh, shoot, it's on Fox Sports North uh, tonight and I don't have cable. Because a lot of people are, are worried about young people's interest in the games dying away. And I remember my interest in, particularly in baseball, you know, you hear a lot of stories like, oh, yeah, my, my dad or my mom or whoever took me to, to my first baseball game and I was hooked from there on. I never really had that. Like growing up in St. Louis, it was the Cardinals. You were a Cardinals fan. Uh, but I really didn't get into baseball until after the 2011 World Series. The 2011 World Series was really the first full series I can remember yeah, watching. <laughs> <laughs> and so being able – my my falling in love with baseball story – was sitting on the couch watching baseball with Christian, my brother and one of the analysts on this podcast. I mean, he is a baseball fanatic. And so just being able to ask him, you know, all these different questions like, you know, what's war? What's uh, BAPIP? What's uh, uh, all these other stats? Who's this player? Who's this guy? And so a lot of people don't really have access to that. So if you can, one, watch the game, and then two, if you take Nick's idea and have, you know, that, that courtside, you know, 
almost tutorial where you can walk through is like, okay, I just saw this shot. What is that? You click on that player. It's like, oh, cool. That's this guy. He's apparently really good in this league or whatnot. Not saying that that's the only way to go about doing it, but social media provides so many of these opportunities. And right now we're kind of in the wild, wild west, not only of online streaming, but also just sports trying to figure out how to do social media well. And so these will be some of the, some of the formative years that I think that we see. And social media provides a lot of really cool opportunities to provide more engagement and to get more people involved. Sports leagues need to stop being so focused on, oh, we need to speed up the time between at-bats. It, it just focus on cool, creative ways to get your fans involved with the game. Yeah, and I think um, not to be the herald of corporate progress. I don't know that that's <laughs> a banner that any of us want to take on in our lives. But I think as you see these older generations of leadership die off, whether it's what I, what I would love to see in, in government and in sports is more diversity, more representation of the fan base that knows that there's an access gap. Um, we will see a younger generation, regardless, will have to take over these businesses if they're going to survive. Um, for instance, uh, Stan Kroenke's sports Cronky Sports and Entertainment is the name of his sports management franchise. I think his son runs it, but they are already acquiring esports teams uh, to add to their roster. And I think that's more of a sign that whether we want to cheer for these businesses or not, more in the know, more uh, cultural tech savvy, uh, more youthful leaders are going to emerge. Hopefully, they'll be the kind of leaders that can come with this perspective that we, the fans, are all hoping for. Uh, only time will tell, but in the end, I think there's a lot to watch we are in. I think that's a good place to leave this conversation. So that's all we've got for you here on Offside Sports on the Air. Thank you so much for joining us. For Nick Ponchi, Alex Ponchi, TJ Bierenbaum, and newcomer Sam Shea, I'm Noah Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on Offside Sports on the Air. This podcast is a production of Brick by Brick Studios in association with Birnbaum Art and Design. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Distribution not included. Music